0: Traveller, So you've returned once again for another slice, another trip into the darkness, another nightmare. Please don't leave a review that listening to this was like a nightmare, even if it is, even if it is, in a good way. Yes, me again, Lawrence, from Films Are Better Than People, once again getting to know someone that's in striking distance in my life, through their love of horror. Everyone is asked the same six terrifying questions about the genre, but everyone has their own different horrifying take. For this episode, I ask you, it's terrifying being the puppet, but is it worse when holding the strings? Horror might be one thing as an audience member, but what is it like when you have extensive experience behind the camera too? That little conundrum is what haunts us today as we talk to Christopher Mills, editor, writer, director and beloved aficionado of all things that go bump in the night. A horror fan all his life, perhaps it inspired him to go on his own blood-curdling quest to enter that most horrifying realm, reality TV. Will his knowledge of the industry save him from horror? Or will his knowledge of horror save him from the industry? Only time will tell. Chris clearly loves to splatter as well as something a bit smarter. Positivity and potential fly from him in our conversation on what film can do, but also what it shouldn't. Those scars from the things he's seen behind the scenes and how it colours his view, metaphorical monsters raising cities, evil books. Misspent youth watching bodies torn apart, and will anyone with an add-on spare room ever sleep tightly again? The answers to these riddles and more lie in wait to strike, as I ask Chris, who's your favourite monster? So Chris,
1: welcome
2: to the podcast. Thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> You're very welcome. So this is not your first experience being on a podcast, unlike some of my guests. You've been, you've been doing this for quite a while. You, I think you might have been doing it longer than I have, actually.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, my last podcast was a podcast called Failure to Communicate that lasted about seven or eight years on or off. Cool. Uh, and we nearly hit 100 episodes, but we gave up just before then. I really enjoy it. I'm, I am definitely one of those people that can talk about stuff for a very, very long time. Uh, especially anything media related, like if you just get me started on films, uh, I you know, any, like literally any subject about films, I give me, like, I'll give you three hours of me just absolutely like terrible opinions about things, as you're about to find out. <laughs> perfect podcast guest, then that's just perfect. Thank yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I can also
1: talk shite for for a lo- very long time, um, especially if it's about films. That's why I've got a podcast. I mean, that's that's what podcasting was invented for, right? I mean, it's for people that feel like everyone should listen to them and their opinions and putting it out there so you can listen to us at, at, at any time that that, that you like uh, if if you want to or not you exactly
2: know? I think I might just have like a mild ego problem where when I see people enjoying a certain film. Uh, I'm like, no, why, how can you like The Joker? This is not a good film. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> However, we can't
1: said- get into that argument again. No, exactly. Like- but, ha-
2: but having said that, one of the reasons I started the podcast in general is that I wanted to be like positive because mm. I think there's so so much like media criticism that becomes just incredibly negative and tearing stuff down and shitting on people. And I guess it's it's it, it, much easier engagement. You know, like explaining mm. why a film is good and why you love it is harder and often like less funny than um kind of laying into something and explaining why you hate it like i I think i watch a lot of like youtube content video essays yeah uh, media criticism whatever and i still find myself getting drawn into the like red letter media all these things that just like kind of their, their funniest stuff is when they tear things down rather than talk about what yeah. they love. I, I love red light media. Like, don't get me wrong. I love, I love yeah. that, that kind of stuff. I, and, think and, they, I think their Star
1: Wars reviews changed my life a little bit. No, which definitely. I know will sound obviously really strange to people, but it's... No,
2: I, definitely. It, that, I feel the same. Um, and, and there's a lot of people. Like, even like, people on like, the kind of... Oh, I don't want to say higher end, but people like Mark Kermode. Like, when oh, he's yeah. being scathing, he, he's very, very funny. Um, yeah. And, but but I, like, I was like, I don't want to put that out in, into the world. I want it to be a bit more positive about stuff but it's really hard to avoid that tendency i guess is the point i'm trying to make where yeah it, I, it is to play i mean, something, we could... i want to tear something down as well at the same time i want to say this is good because if you look at your favorite film the joker then it does all these things you know better than that kind of thing but yeah anyway i i'm pleased that this was about positive stuff well the, the idea with the questions i've sent you some of them are trying to
1: dig into what you don't like about horror and what you do like about horror as well so i'm hoping there's a kind of balance there that we get an idea of your tastes and yourself hopefully through this because that's that's also what this is about really sure getting getting to know you through your love of splattery horror stuff yeah i mean that's what i open
2: with uh, it's i don't encourage it on like a first date with someone to just go into yeah. how much you uh, love watching murder on tv but i do love horror stuff i have never yeah, outgrown exactly. it i loved it as a kid i love it now it's uh it's one of those things that is like never there's a lot of things you go through like phases in life that you love things and yeah. then it goes away and like genuinely my love of horror stuff has never really gone
1: so let's get stuck
2: in chris what is your favorite horror movie i qualified this
1: it's fine for you to qualify the answer because the the question of what your favorite film is or favourite in whatever
2: genre, is always going to mean different things to different people. So that's all part of the process. Okay. So I said, because I sent this across to you in advance, and I qualified my answer, which was that I don't think it's the best, but my favourite is probably still The Evil Dead. I do this is think The Evil, evil very... Dead 1. Like, the, the, the Evil Dead 1. The Sam Raimi, budget, horror, yeah. video nasty. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's something about that film that like, I still absolutely adore.
0: You're not going to leave me, are you, Ash? Are you? I don't want to die. You're not going to leave me here, are you? Are you, Ash? (laughs) Scotty, now come on, listen to me. For God's sake, is there a way around the bridge? There's a way. The trail. But the trees, Ash, ain't no. Don't you see, Ash? They're alive! (laughs)
2: And part of it, as someone that works in, in, in filmmaking, in, in that kind of arena, there's certain films I find incredibly inspiring. Uh, like mm. Clerks. I, I don't think Clerks is a particularly good film. But every time I watch it, I walk away and I'm like, wow, Like, look what these guys did. They, they, they did it. They had like no budget. They shot it in a shop. Like, whatever. Mm. And it fills me with that kind of energy where it's like, if they did it, I can do it. And Evil Dead kind of has the same effect on me. Where... I watch it and I feel, like, inspired. It's a bunch of mates in the woods with no money yeah. making a horror. Like, most of the actors quit partway through. It's obvious that some of the demons, zombies, whatever you want to call them, are different actors at different points in the film. However, I think it's a much better film than, like, something like Clerks or, or even um, uh, El Mariachi or, or something like that. We should have probably said at the beginning that, yes, you work in, in TV and film.
0: Yes.
1: This is this is the this is also where you're coming at from a different maybe a slightly different angle to some of our guests,
2: is that you also do make some of this stuff, so you'll also have that angle as well. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things I like really respect about Evil Dead is that there's a there's the craftsmanship. I know the background of it, I know that they made lots of shorts beforehand. Mm. They made a they made a run through of the film, uh, beforehand called within the Woods, which was their like short version of the same thing. It still had Bruce Campbell, it had a lot of the same, it had the Book of the Dead, it had lots of but The Evil Dead, I think, is a creepy film. I think it's effective. I think it is funny when it needs to be. It sounds awful, but it like, makes me smile watching it. There's so much to love about that film. It, it is, if yeah. you like creepy horror, it's really creepy. If you like full-on disgusting gore horror, it definitely has that. What about a, a brief uh, introduction to The Evil Dead? Evil Dead is like so ubiquitous. It's hard to like introduce it to someone that's like, never seen it. It's about a bunch of friends that hire a cabin in the woods for a lover's retreat. And while they're there in the cabin, they find an old book and a tape recording of someone reading from the book. And the book Mm. is the book of the dead and the tape recording they play is someone reading the ancient language of whatever, whatever language, I can't remember what it is that they Sumerian, yeah. it's always Sumerian
1: Sumerian, it's always Sumerian or Mesopotamian or something Exactly,
2: yeah. and when the recording reads from the Book of the Dead, it lets in some demons into our world, which possess the living, and they're very hard to deal with Shut up!
1: it's a simple story right in some ways especially in today's age i mean the, the if you describe the the story of the evil dead it just sounds like a big cliche right it sounds like the story that you've heard like a thousand times in in, in one form or the other right
2: yeah definitely i think it's part of that is definitely it became the stereotype after its success it a lot of films mm. looked at it as a, this kind of example of, of of something incredible that you could make with seemingly very little money and that's Horror has always um, succeeded in this kind of area of, like, young filmmakers with no money trying to squeeze out what they can from the genre. But yeah, no, Evil Dead is very... It's bare bones. The plot is not that complicated. The characters are not that complicated. In fact, I think in a lot of areas, it's kind of... It would be easy to look at it and say it's weak. But it's so much greater than the sum of its parts. Interesting. And, and, and maybe part of that is the is just having a filmmaker like Sam Raimi who... Could take kind of fairly not great acting, in many cases not very good effects, and pull it all together into something that does get under your skin, and 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 there's a reason that there's another Evil Dead film coming soon. You know, like this is a this is a budget kind of horrible film for I would say a fairly niche audience, but a lot of people love it.
1: The the cult around Evil Dead is is almost as interesting as anything else, right? Because Evil Dead is a horror film made by someone who loves horror, understands horror and also really has a sense of humour about horror. I mean, you know, Sam Raimi, he's the master at running that line down between am I supposed to be taking this seriously in whatever genre it is, or am I supposed to be kind of laughing at this? And there's moments where you do both, right?
2: No, definitely. I think he's from this generation of filmmakers that can tie together very diverse influences. Like, I've said this before about, like, Star Wars where i mm. think the people that make star wars now and the the like jj abrams and people like this when they make star yep. wars they're inspired by star wars uh, right whereas george lucas loved samurai films and world war 2 dogfight films and westerns and and he and flash gordon, and, flash and, gordon yeah, sci-fi, and sci-fi serials and he, and he tied stuff, them all, yeah. all together into something different and and you know Sam Raimi famously loves like the three stooges and horrible horror as well and he puts a, he puts slapstick in, I mean, much more so in Evil Dead 2, but he ties these things together in really interesting ways and he gets a, a, quite a unique, I hate the word, auteur, but it, he, gets, it, it, he makes a very, it's very easy to watch something and go, yeah, Sam Raimi made this. Even looking at something yeah. like Spider-Man, there's a reason a lot of people still like his Spider-Man films over Marvel because they, they felt like they had a vision that is very different to the kind of modern Marvel where... It's not that it's like factory filmmaking, but it, it feels like they have a shared vision of what they want it to be. So even when you get these like really good filmmakers like Ryan Kugler and Sam Raimi, there is a box they play in. There isn't a uh, yeah. They can't stretch outside that. Whereas Sam Raimi outside outside of Marvel brought in lots of strange stranger uh, influences like Three Stooges, but sticks the landing. Um, in in I think if that makes sense, like he he's drawing on lots of strange things. Again, for Evil Dead itself, he's bringing together a lot of things that in isolation would not work on a lesser film would not work. Like I said, the acting, some of the effects, mm. the fact that it is a very bare bones story and plot, but it still works yeah. all these years later. I probably watched it for the first time when I was maybe 12. And I, yeah. I could watch it today and be like, oh, yes, that bit. That that's sense? so
1: great. I mean, you just love, I mean, I think that's great. And I, the, the affection around the, the Evil Dead. Franchise and, and around that film, it's such a unique fan base. It's also made up of like people that love horror, but also th- they understand that these uh, these films and like Evil Dead, it's not to be taken a hundred percent seriously, and yet everyone does sort of take it really, really seriously. They they just love it and adore it. They both digs into that like gruesome, nasty side of uh, of yourself, and also that kind of warm, fuzzy side, and. That, that sense of humour and everything yeah that's an um, interesting
2: way of looking at it. It, does, it, does, it it's like it ticks those boxes at the same time it, and, and it, I guess that's part of the charm that it will flick between a you know something that makes me go oh man these guys are heroes like imagine going and making this and then seeing something mm. just so nasty and dark because Evil Dead is also very horrible like it is very dark mm. that the the, um, the the demons themselves that possess them are like horrible and are so gleeful in causing suffering it, 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 yeah, it's they're so not worse they, than a lot of other films they're not mindless
1: zombies they're not demon possessed they're something in them they're, they're sort of a mixture of those two things right they've got the glassy completely white eyes and they sort of look like they're rotting things and then but then they speak in a kind of possessed voice and they're very they're very sadistic and like a gruesome bunch right
2: yeah and 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 i i part i mean it sounds awful god i don't know what this says about me as a person but i enjoy that kind of villain that is is having a brilliant time (laughs) and and and, you know there's lines in that where it's like even now we have your darling linda's soul like and, and they're just having fun i mean not not like always obviously ash wins the day and they burn up and fall apart in that kind of Probably the weakest part of the film is that ending sequence with the um, stop motion. I like a villain like that. I think I think we all do. Like, there's a reason we like the Joker, not the film that you love, but like the Joker <laughs> as a character, um, because he always seems to be like having a great time. As opposed, well, yeah, to, yeah, uh,
1: Joker's charismatic. I mean,
2: that's part of his power. But it's not just the the charisma. It's that like they like being the villain. They're not. Yeah. there's something we all well, like everyone, villains yeah of course everyone likes a good villain and, the point,
1: and also part of like I, I would say that intrinsically if we're here talking about horror films we're digging into that darker side of us right we're digging into that side of us that loves to see the darker side of cinema <laughs> maybe not the darkest of the dark de- depends depends on where we're going to go in this, this conversation but yeah I mean uh, of course like a, a great everyone loves a great villain um, yeah but it's not and so someone that's that it's... having fun chewing the scenery yeah
2: it's funny because the best villain the best kinds of villains are ones that are justified And in their brain, they are the good guy. You know they—they are—they yeah. they believe what they're doing is justified, and, and as an audience, we're just like, oh, I can see maybe Thanos is right. There's something about like, the villain that are just like, look, I'm evil, and this is so much fun, and we are literally torturing your torturing your girlfriend's soul, and we are going to like tease you by singing um, and, <laughs> and reanimating her corpse and dancing around. And see, great. what are you talking about here? Is this is this Evil Dead or Evil Dead Two? Oh, the dancing the, around we're... is Evil Dead Two, but there, there's a lot of teasing in Evil. Evil dead 1 for yeah. they kind of it's weird because they all merge together in a very strange continuity and it is hard to talk about one without the other I think Yeah
1: I this is this is the this, is the, <laughs> this is the thing that you can get really mixed up on They're
2: um, very different as well like I think Evil, Evil dead 1 is a much I don't more know straight... Evil
1: dead 1 very well at all but I know Evil dead 2 a bit better in fact I watched it over the weekend so oh, it's, it's a great film it, um but... It's fabulous but it's but why is it that one takes preference over 2 for you or this is what you've chosen to talk about because I, th- I think it's a horror
2: film mm. e- Evil Dead 2 is not really scary at any point it, it's kind of leaning more into like an adventure film it sounds mental what I'm saying but it could just as easily be like Indiana Jones instead of Ash There's like I, I, I see what you're digging at I think- and portals to another time and like monsters in the woods whereas like Evil Dead 1 like even when they turn up to the cabin there is that seat that is moving and banging against the wall yeah. And in the moment they get to the door to open the handle, like we, we this is like the first time we've even seen the place, and we're getting like scares, we're getting tension. Nothing happens there. They just walk inside, and it's a dusty, horrible place. Like you're not going to bang there. I don't know wh- what they thought about the I, <laughs> I guess this is the days before Airbnb, so it's hard to like look at a look at a, pro, uh, a pictures online and go, oh yeah, they're stay there. That's really nice. Um, yeah, Evil Dead One is more of an out and out horror. You referenced several
1: time about several times about filmmaking. And Evil Dead, and, and how it kind of inspires you. A film like Evil Dead, made on a shoestring budget that's still got such a legacy today, the filmmaker side of you is making you kind of fall in love with this so much.
2: Absolutely. I think everyone that works in film and media and TV or, or, or kind of any of the kind of creative industries are there because they want to make their own things as well. Yeah. I think a lot of people that go into like film. It doesn't matter what area they want to make a film. They want to make their film, and I like I do. I've I've made a, a few short films. Like I, I will probably do a feature in the next couple of years, um, mm. an indie feature for very little money and a lot of trying to you know figure things out on the fly. And yeah. it's hard not to watch something made by made in that way that is so good, and not be inspired by it. But Evil Dead I think holds up and will continue to hold up. And I don't know, there's something special about that, that it that it is this inspirational story of like people with like not a lot of tools, not a lot of resources and, and making something. Yep. But the fact that they made something so good, so influential, it is is really quite special, I think. Does that make sense?
1: That absolutely, 100%. And it's really interesting. That's a really interesting perspective.
0: It's a seven. Oh my God, seven of hearts, you're right. Hey Ash,
2: I guessed the card right. Yeah, truly amazing, Linda. I don't know, I don't know, but I think it's really some
0: sort of extra sense or something, you know, like ESP? Okay, try this. Okay, um, it's a seven. I don't believe it! of spades. (laughs) Queen of spades. Four of hearts. Eight of spades. Two of spades. Jack of diamonds. Jack of clubs.
1: What's your guiltiest pleasure in horror?
2: Chris for one I'd be really interested to know what other people said for this but my, my guilty pleasure is definitely slasher films most slasher films aren't great and the I think they're not a good form of horror in a lot of ways the idea is kind of like glorifying of the killer and just focusing on them and you know they're not always the smartest of films they're not always the most creative or inventive sometimes with the kills they are like stabbing someone with a shotgun Michael Myers is pretty pretty cool but pretty inventive <laughs> But they they are they're kind of like a basic horror, like it's a guy in a mask and a knife even, even though a lot of the first films in that kind of kicked a lot of the slasher genre off, like Halloween, like Friday the 13th like yeah um, i mean
1: there's there's a lot of it, it's interesting you talk about these this whole subgenre as a guilty pleasure because for so many people this is the this horror. is horror this is horror for, and, and this I is horror for them it sounds like you almost feel guilty about enjoying it because you don't really think it's very good horror and part of you also feels like it's a little bit irresponsible like there's no, something I, irresponsible i
2: think is is a is, yeah is maybe a that's a bit conversation harsh. no 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 yes. there's some exceptions i think a lot of the very first films in these franchises are pretty good like i think halloween is a good film and i think friday the 13th is a good film and i think nightmare on elm street black christmas like these kind of films are like pretty, pretty solid horrors, like w- well-made, classy, one would say. But it, it's when you go down the line when it's f- when it's Friday the Thirteenth, Part Six, and <laughs> Halloween kills
1: everyone. Gets psychic powers at some point. That's not, and that's not like psychic powers as in they know who's around the corner. I mean, they both those franchises. I'm pretty sure in Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween down the line, long enough, that they, they just start int- introducing telekinetic powers, and it's like. I mean, that's right. why I
2: specifically was talking about Friday the 13th, part six. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Friday the 13th, part eight. Jason takes Manhattan. Now, New York
2: has a new problem. And I know that they're not good. I know that they're cheap. I know that they're easy. Uh, I know that they, I mean, some of them do some interesting things like sending Jason into space and and, and, and things like that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: interesting is a word for Jason X yeah
2: Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting uh, horror like uh, sh- shaking things up and stuff but but I, the thing is I know these aren't I would never put these in the same thing as like high art and, and the, the horror that I really love the, the horror that I think is the best horror which is things like things like The Exorcist things like Hereditary like these films that get under my skin and creep me out and you know like I, I finish watching them yeah. and then I'm going to bed and I'm scared to turn off the light as a 33 mm. year old man I don't finish <laughs> Halloween uh, 6 with the same feeling. I'm just like, no. I'm watching it be, you know, like waiting for a knife to enter someone's eyeball so that I can go,
0: oh,
2: that was awesome. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I just, I, I, they, they're kind of the antithesis in a lot of ways of what like horror should be in this this like creep factor, this, this really give you something to be afraid of because they're not that. They are, look how we can do something a bit sleazy and gross and you're going to think it's fun. And they are much more the kind of roller coaster horror. That said, I really enjoy them, and I think they're really fun.
1: <laughs> there is something about this this genre, and this is the thing I'm getting from doing a lot of these, uh, from talking to a lot of people about this horror. Is there is this, and maybe this is just the same with all genres and, and genre pieces. But there's something almost purer about horror where there's this thing of like people love horror when it's good. But they also kind of love horror when it's bad as well. It's, it's because
2: it's, like there's not many other genre classifications that do what horror does. Like horror is kind of linked as 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 a kind of genre category by what it does to you, and there's really nothing else except for maybe pornography that is kind of that <laughs> is classified the same way. Like. Westerns are not about the emotion that it causes you, or maybe maybe romance, maybe maybe romance films you could put in the same. Yeah, um, but but everything else, I feel like you want to argue with me. Maybe comedy. Well, I,
1: I guess because I, I guess different genres do have different emotions they want to bring out in you, but it's not defined in the same way as horror. Like it's a, action is about you know giving you a frill, but it's not you know action True. is just de- describing the things that are going on on screen. Horror horror is literally that you're, you're going in this we want you to feel terror fear and that and then, is different from other ones
2: I, I, I think so and I think within that there's also like a richness there is the slow burn creepy like the haunting something that gets under your skin and a sense of unease and dread and looking at these like familiar situations in a lot of cases but they've just got something wrong about them like there's a there's a thing in the haunting where they frame the shots differently so that they're mm. always, there are always like open doors behind people and they're framed oh. for the open door. So that as, as an audience, it, you, you know, you're trained that if you see an open door, someone's going to come through it. And just by changing the shot slightly, there's that sense of unease of like, who's going to come through the door? And no one does, no one does. <laughs> but yeah. it's that, 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 that something is off, something is wrong. Like I am afraid, I'm, that anticipation, you know, it's such a key part of the genre. And again, I think a lot of slasher films aren't playing with that. I think definitely Halloween, um, but like Friday and Friday the 13th, especially the early ones did, but very, very quickly, they turned into a different type of horror. People always talk about the kind of tension release cycle of horror, where it builds and builds and builds, and it's creepy, and you're getting to the top of the roller coaster, and then you get your big scare, and you're going down, and it's terrifying, and you're shaking, blah, but like there's a joy in that kind of tension and release, and these slasher films kind of are that on a very, very basic level, where
1: so you're saying it's like slasher films are like the rickety the rickety old roller coaster at the dodgy at the summer fair. Exactly. Kind of thing.
2: And they are also fun. <laughs> like they are also fun. You're never going to tell people to go oh you have to go to like Snodland uh, city fair, <laughs> town fair. But you are but but as opposed to, you know, these other other rides that are this like perfect long I don't know. This analogy is going to fall apart really quickly. Um No, no, I love it. But but yeah, no I I just think they're a guilty pleasure. I kind of am a little bit ashamed. Like part of me wants to be like classy, you know, it's, you know, when people ask you like, what's your favorite film? Or or, or, what do you think is the best film? They want to be like, oh, I really, I think, you know, something older and in black and white and ideally not English. It's like, if you ask someone their favorite Mm -hmm. book, they, they don't want to say Da Vinci Code. They want to say, Ulysses Ex- exactly They. They. they oh, I really love the Iliad oh it's such a good book um, and, and I feel the same way too I'm a little bit I'm not snobby well maybe I sound snobby I, may, I might be snobby but I want to say I love like these pure horror like Hereditary The uh, the Exorcist I always go back to those two because I think they're they're like two of my the, all the haunting like these films like really yeah. personify what I want from the genre but apparently that's not true because I watch every Halloween film every Friday the 13th film Every Nightmare on Elm Street. Although I don't know what's happening with that now. I know no, a no,
1: no one knows what's happening with the with the two big guys. With Freddie and Jason, yeah, the, the Halloween films are still going, but I think those are genuinely brilliant. Like the remakes, I am actually a bit different. I don't like the original Halloween. I think it's just really, really dated at this point. Oh, it, it, it and, definitely is and dated, I, and I, and I get and I get that people can still you it. Something can be dated, and you can still appreciate lots of things for what it does. But when I watched it, I was just like, no, this doesn't this this just doesn't work for me at all. I just think this is one of those films whose time has passed. But the 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 reboots. Of Halloween, I think are excellent. I love them. They are slasher films, pure slasher. But I think they're the kind of primo caviar version of of a slasher film. That's what I think the the, the kind of Halloween reboots are. I, I I feel that that if we're if we're looking at the, the the kind of rickety roller coaster or the 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 sophisticated uh uh Alton Towers thing, sophisticated. I don't know about that, but you know, the, uh, rides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, then I feel like the reboots of Halloween are kind of the join joining of those things.
0: He's
2: waited for this night. He's waited for me. I've waited for him. Get
0: out the room! Get inside!
2: Yeah, I I think as well that those are. I, I'm talking specifically about the reboot as well, not the Rob Zombie. Um,
1: no, 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 not not that
2: ones. But they they are they're being tackled in an interesting way i mean one of the things that slasher films descend into is like oh what situation can we put jason in next and how will he get out of it you know like like you know like an old frankenstein movie kind of thing whereas halloween has got some interesting things going on like in the first one in the kind of reboot where they kind of reverse their standing in the final confrontation where it's not michael disappearing it's Laurie. And yeah. then we, we follow we follow him being stalked in the house. I like I love that. I think that's like brilliant. Yeah. And and it helps that I when I saw is it called Halloween Returns? Uh, Halloween Kills. Not Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills was the last film which was not good. It's just called Halloween then. The the, uh, the Okay I will reboot. I will say the naming is dog shit and they need to change that. <laughs> and, and whoever is naming these films is like an actual monster. I watched it. Uh, at the Prince Charles for the first time. Mm. And I watched it back to back and it was such a great experience watching them. I do still love it, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I realize it's probably not the highest form of art.
0: You know, I think it's her father. And why can't they find her pops, man? Because he's probably dead. His body will come popping up in the last reel somewhere. Eyes gouged out, fingers cut off, teeth knocked out. See the police yeah. are always off track with this shit. If they'd watch prom night, they'd save time. There's a formula to it—a very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect.
1: Chris, who's your favourite monster?
2: I was really obnoxious here and put two things down uh, on your list of questions you sent you me. You just couldn't bear to pick one. I, I think it's just because there's, there's such a, a broad range. Like it would be so easy to say something like Dracula or, or like these original monsters. Like I, lo- I, I love the Invisible Man. I love the original um, uh, Claude mm. Rains one. is such a wonderful film. But I put down <laughs> Freddy Krueger. <laughs> slash uh Godzilla they cover different things I spoke about it earlier there's something about a joy, a joy like just such a, a villain that is just horrible and knows they're horrible and he's having a great time and Freddy Krueger at his best moments is he's just t- taunting them and teasing them it's just pure evil there's no great justification for what he's doing when when they try and justify what he's doing it's just doesn't really work that well um they never stick
1: with it i mean it was this weird so like freddy kruger for anyone not sure he was a he is a child killer slash possibly child molester but they never he, really he
2: he is but they, they it's difficult for them to i think it changes the rating of a film the moment they
1: they they never really, i i never really work out if they say it or not in in the old films because they obviously they do that they rebooted it a few years ago and they do say it in that but it's re, it's odd that they never <laughs> he's just a child killer it, it seems like it's insinuated that he's also a, a pedophile but not no one ever goes into it he receives summary justice uh by his lair being petrol bombed by the parents uh but then he comes uh, he comes back in the place that the parents can't get him which is in his ch- the children's dreams and stalks them in there and kills them uh, that way so you can't go to sleep because Freddy will get you um and yeah yeah you're right he's just he he's just gleefully evil and having and he's unlike some of the other slasher villains he's not silent he's the very opposite of that he he will taunt and torment everyone in the uh, as he's dispatching you in, in various
2: dream-styled ways. And I find that really enjoyable to watch.
0: You are what you eat!
2: <laughs> I don't know what that says <laughs> about me as a person. I I I like I love Michael Myers. I love this idea of a faceless evil that is un- is just going to keep coming. And that is great, and that has its place. But there's something about Freddy Krueger and how much funny is in those things. There's a reason that a lot of the... Again, talk, talking about slasher films, there's a reason that they all just became about the killer. Like they, None yes. of them re- revolve around the characters, maybe with the exception of Halloween and, and Laurie Strode, but the Nightmare on Elm Street series is about Freddy Krueger and how much fun he is. Yes. And I, I love that, and it's very <laughs> enjoyable. But I think the second thing I put down is a little bit more interesting. interesting so Godzilla, not
1: usually thought of as a horror thing. So it's interesting you've put it in there, not sure if I can really admit it, but... But t- tell me, why, why did Godzilla also make the cut for you?
2: I, I mean, again, it's, it's partly because of the way that franchise has changed and become something quite different. Um, but the, the original uh, Japanese like 1952 release, the, the Shiro Honda one, of Gojira, of, of Godzilla, is played as a horror. He's played as this like disaster. It's, if, you, if only that first film existed, it would be easy to look at him as something like Cthulhu as just yeah. this unstoppable unknowable monster coming mm. and 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 it's like nothing he's like just stepping forward and leveling cities and especially when you look at it as like it's a kind of a horror film representation of Hiroshima Nagasaki this kind of nuclear destruction yeah. that just is is kind of unfathomable uh, obviously played up in that kind of like very 50s like, giant monster archetype, stereotype.
0: The mightiest monster of them all. See Godzilla, king of the monsters.
2: You know, like, it was always yes. them or the blob or. Uh, you know all these. I don't know. Just the deadly monsters. swarm. Exactly. Have you seen it?
1: Do you, no, I haven't
2: actually. Oh, uh, you're in for a treat. Like it, it holds up like really well. But it, it is just this giant mm. monster. It's not evil. It, it it doesn't like think like that. Is it? Is a giant animal that is walking forward into a city. <laughs> And people are like like destroying cities, so people sending armies, which makes it mad, so that it t- attacks back, and it is leveling cities when it does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, it's like I um, I think it's interesting when horror gets the touch on these important moments in history and social issues. Like there's there's a reason things like Get Out resonate with people because it's like yes. there's something more there. It's not just like spooky, scary. What are these family up to? And, and Godzilla is a representation of that. That I think is really interesting, especially mm. so close to when nuclear weapons were dropped on Japan.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's pretty overtly about that.
0: Incredible Titan of Terror, wiping out a city of six million in a holocaust of flame. Jet flames cannot destroy it, bombs cannot kill it. All modern weapons fail. Is this the end of our civilization?
1: I mean, I would argue that all, you know, all horror, even or like, already all movies are about something. But then that's a whole bigger conversation but, we have no time to go into. But, but like, but, but but it's know, tapping into fear. Something. It's tapping
2: into fear. Like, slasher films yes. are like, your place of safety, your home, is not safe. Uh, and
1: it's not strange that these, that, that that started coming out in the, those films started coming out in the 70s when serial killers became more prolific in the United States. You know, this was a new, the new moral panic, right? But something like Godzilla is a really great example of representing a very real fear for a very for a population like suddenly oh we could just be wiped out by by science in
2: a science in a in a metal cylinder by an unstoppable monster that we can do nothing about yeah Um, and 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 not only that it questions this kind of thing of like the only way that we can stop it is we need to do something more horrible, which is like part of the story is that they need to create a weapon even worse to get rid of Godzilla, uh, which is such wow. an interesting thing to add in a, in, a, in a 50s horror film about a giant lizard. But And, and then obviously the franchise takes a, a strange turn. You know, from the second film onwards, it's about fighting other monsters, that there are lots of them, and then it gets very silly. And you can see that they've tried to steer it back in the kind of American versions of recent years. Where they've tried yeah. to show these like giant monsters are dangerous. They're not just like Power Rangers and fun. They are like you know cities getting destroyed, lives being taken, and even the yeah. I think the mo- one of the most recent Godzilla films, Japanese releases, uh, called Shin Godzilla, tries to look back at the original release and um, you know what? What if this happened now? What if we take away all the monster fighting fun and it is Godzilla walks out of the ocean now? Uh, it's less of a horror and is more about the bureaucracy. Of involved of trying to get the government to sign off on what whatever they need to do I mean that which is an interesting the most thing.
1: terrifying thing of all government bureaucracy
2: I mean, it, it represents a different thing of, of for different times yeah. I think Godzilla is like such a great monster, such a great design uh, it looks mm. cool as anything uh, it's obviously the idea of it is a little bit scary. Mm. I know you're arguing that it doesn't fit the classification of a of a horror monster, but it's like it's such a perfect horror monster you're just flat out wrong. Um, <laughs> but but this is the thing is again you can there's a lot of different things you could use there. It'd be easy to say Frankenstein's monster. It would easy to be easy mm. to say Jason Voorhees. It would be easy to say uh, lots of other ones. But I thought Godzilla would be. I, Godzilla's got to be like most people's favourites that have seen any of those films, though. <laughs>
1: It's very interesting, there that you've got a kind of again, you've got that Godzilla who you feels a really interesting monster and a fascinating form of terror, and Freddy who's just a hell of a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, like they, they, they're different <laughs> things, and that, again, that says, says, says a lot about like horror as a genre. Like, there's just so much room there, even if even if it's easy from the outside. If you're not interested in horror or don't like horror films, it's easy to look look in from the outside and go, it's just like childish, gruesome screaming. It's it's not art, uh, but Obviously, that's not the case. Within that, there's a lot of room.
1: So, Chris, what thing in horror movies do you wish they'd stop doing?
2: I have a pet peeve in filmmaking and media and culture and everything. And it seems like it's getting worse, which is I hate it when a film thinks I'm an idiot. Um, when something needs to be spelled out to the audience because people are not paying attention or missing it. I, 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 you and I have spoken about the fact that the Joker film has to have flashbacks to say what's going on, because just in case you missed it, because we can no longer have subtext in films anymore. We have to have things spelled out. And horror is no exception to that. We we cannot mm. have anything left up to the imagination anymore. We cannot have anything where my interpretation can differ from yours. We have to have focus-tested screenings with execs going, mm, I don't know, like, I don't think they'll understand that the ghost is this person so we need someone to say oh my god it's the ghost of this pirate um, <laughs> and, and I kind of hate that but the, the worst example is actually a film I you've I,
1: only just said the first part of the incantation Ash it, um, oh, the, exactly. we need to say the second incantation yeah that kind of thing
2: it, actually that's like such a good point uh, 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 <laughs> why Evil Dead is, is better Um, and and i think good exposition is is useful like you need the audience to be aware of the stakes of something Um, sure i mean there's nothing but you've got
1: but yeah i get it you've got a you you can do that without having to spell it out right
2: i I think a really great film a really interesting film an incredibly well-made film is um hereditary and i'm about to spoil that film so uh, yeah go nuts audience sorry and larry have you seen it
1: I, I have, yeah, and it's. I mean, we. we I put warnings at the front of everything, but in each of these so far, we've spoiled something. So I yeah. think it's fine.
2: I, I, I think that film's incredible. I think it's incredibly. It's it just a masterpiece of filmmaking. But there is a bit I hate, which is right at the very end. There is when the de- de- demon, the monster, or whatever, has taken the form of the sun, and mm. and been reborn in them. And the one of the witches um, has eighty-yard lines explaining what has happened. So the audience knows. And I understand that Hereditary is not a very obvious film. It doesn't explicitly state a lot of things. No. Uh, yeah. And I th- But I think that's one of its strengths. There's
1: lots of stuff going on underneath the surface.
2: Yeah, and, and, and it rewards multiple viewings and, and stuff, especially when you know what's like more about what's happening. But the fact that they have to ADR in stuff at the end, very obviously ADR in someone off-screen explaining, hey, this is what happened, and you're actually being reborn.
0: You... Our payman. One of the eight kings of hell. We've corrected your first female body and give you now this healthy male
2: host. You were in this body originally, but now you're in this body, and that's why we're we're all good now. And and, and yeah, does everyone everyone got it? Like everyone got it? Cool. Boom, roll credits. Uh, what like what a miserable way to end a film. I can't imagine how infuriating that must have been for Ariasta to mm. do like that that is a hundred percent like a exec or network like a distributor note and uh yeah i i kind of hate that i think it ruins a lot of things oh god more spoilers uh for blade runner i think part of the magic is lost when you have these things like um these interpretate like leaving things up to the audience's interpretation like is deckard a replicant in blade runner there are yeah. hints that are there and and a lot of that magic is lost when you have to have the director say or very Explicitly, set, show it in the final cut version of Blade Runner. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. But but I think a lot of <laughs> you, it is you, just you want, assuming. You, I've been there. Yeah. I've been there in meetings. You but- feel
1: like it's people not actually doing exposition. It's although exposition feels like a dirty word. No not, you know, exposition for anyone listening. It's it's just telling people what is going on it, or telling people, explaining the situation. And I don't I, think there's anything. I mean, it, it's necessary in so many different places and
2: ways. It's, and complete, it's completely necessary, but it's specifically when you're assuming, like, hey, the audience is dumb. The audience can't put two and two together here. So we need, you know, we need a character to go, hey, wait a second. That person I just saw had blood on his hands and wait a minute, there was a knife in there and wait a minute, the fridge was full of severed heads. I think this <laughs> might be our murder. Like those those kind of like drawing the connection to things. Like in... Silence of the Lambs when Clarice clocks the situation that she's in that she's you know she's in Buffalo Bill's apartment um, mm. and it's him there's no, at no point does she have to go oh my god like, she doesn't have to call anyone and go I found him I am in the killer's apartment it wasn't the other person that we thought about it's actually this person that I'm there right now and oh my god like you can just yeah. you can do it with looks good. here's that number
0: very good Mr. Matt, use your phone, please? Sure you
2: can use my phone. Freeze! Put your hands over your head! Um, and yeah, it's just a very big pet peeve of mine. It's like, don't assume I'm dumb. It kind of partially ruins the, the experience. And I am okay being a bit gatekeepy in that if you can't understand or follow a film, I think that's okay
1: not all art is yeah. for everyone no I, I i agree do you know what's funny enough won't be, talk about this very long because it's not a horror film but yesterday i went to see jackie brown because uh, they were doing an event in brixton and uh, Pam grier was there um, oh amazing and yeah exactly exactly it was really cool uh but um i saw jackie brown again and what struck me it's, it's not a tarantino i know very well but what struck me actually is a, a lot of things they don't layout for you it's just there's there's lots of shots of a lot of the characters just in in little quiet moments and it's really in it was really interesting watching and you you you, you stop as an audience member and going and you, you start to think to yourself what's what's really going through their head in this moment in these extreme situations or not so extreme situations what how are the cogs really turning and i and i start to think like that is really good filmmaking you know that is that that is where you can point and say like you know tarantino knows what he's doing uh, not a good horror example. But, no, no, no. Um, but it, it's just it's. It, it's... But it, but I, I yeah, it is wonderful when films can do that. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how, how. I don't know how far you push that. It must be tempting as a filmmaker just to want to lay it on your audience. Say this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm trying to say. Or even kind of rant at your audience in a kind of Aaron Salkin-y way. I guess you do have to try and resist that urge as a, as a filmmaker. Maybe I, I would say it probably goes the other way. Uh,
2: oh, right. I, I imagine a lot of filmmakers and and in fact i've been there in 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 meetings for for edits and i've got edit notes um you know obviously on the shows i worked on and the notes are never can we make this more subtle or we don't need to spell this out it's this is unclear can we add a line where they specifically say what's happening i, I can't feel that's you know good you know if shakespeare existed now someone would be someone would sit him down and go can i compare the to a summer's day I don't think we should. Have, I think it should be clearer that, that <laughs> she likes him. So can she just say "I like you"? Say you're fit. <laughs>
1: you're fit. Say you're well. You're well fit. Yeah, <laughs> can uh, tell you've worked on some reality shows.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I've I, I definitely worked on a, a number of reality shows, but they, they go in with the idea of that the um, the audience won't follow what's going on, and you need to spell it out constantly. Yeah. And uh, I like reality TV. I I, I like it. I, I the craft of making it is is. Uh, really fun and really creative, um, which, yeah. I, which I don't think as a genre it gets a lot of points for sometimes. But I, that's an, an aspect of it I don't enjoy in the this just general assumption that our audiences are dumb, because I don't think they are.
0: That's Snake's voice. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the transplant. Somehow Snake's hair must be controlled. Oh, please, Lisa, everyone's already figured that out.
2: Chris, what's your favourite death in a horror movie? There's so many, I could say for that um but there is a particularly shit and ingenious death in final destination 2 which i will never ever forget have you seen the final destination films
1: i have seen i've seen some of them i've seen i've seen some of them i i could i've definitely seen the first one i could not tell you how many others i've seen i can't remember if i've I, I watched the death that you're talking about in order to be able to talk about it today. oh it's probably but i can't remember if i've seen oh it's almost, fun destination too it's
2: almost certainly aged incredibly poorly now as well but um
1: final destination is like the, these films based around i mean just a, br- a briefing where a group of teens will dodge a major accident usually because someone has a kind of premonition and they'll they'll dodge a major accident where all their friends or whoever they're with would die and they would have died too, um, but because of that, then death stalks them. Not literal death. You never really see literal yeah. death. And then death finds hilarious, over-the-top ways to kill these people. It all looks like accidents because there's no there's no
2: villain. Is no. There? I mean, that's what's there's- really interesting. Um, I about that series and uh, they're really. I like one and two. But they're probably not particularly strong films overall or anything. What if
0: it was our time? What if we were not meant to get off that plane? What if there is a design that it's not finished? By walking off the plane, you're cheating death. You
2: have to figure out when it's coming back at you. But the idea that they've cheated death, and so that death needs to correct things. Yeah. And there is no, death is not like an antagonist we see. Um, but it's kind of presence is always felt in a lot of the scenes and i really enjoy the kind of like creative kind of rube goldberg machine (laughs) uh, situations that kind of occur that lead to these elaborate accidental deaths
1: and that's what you're here for right i mean that's the point of the final destination that is what final destination has come to represent hasn't it these uh what rube goldberg type deaths where some electrical there's always an electrical fault or something some spark goes off and that causes something to to raise which knocks over a bunch of marbles that fall into some petrol that knock it over and and burn someone alive or something that it's always something like that right
2: yeah and and this one is just the the, it's specifically the idea of the end of it which is I think Final, Final Destination 1 established that this is the, the unique selling point of this film is these elaborate deaths. And Final Destination mm. 2, as the first sequel, was like, we need to like, really up our game on these. Even the, the, the death that they all avoid is so much more gratuitous than the first one in, and in how elaborate it is. It, it, the first one involves a plane crash. Uh, or a plane yeah. explosion, but the second one involves, like, logs falling off cars that smash through windscreens. It's that... a
1: giant pile-up. It's like a deadly pile-up. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing.
2: Which... Like, it's a long sequence, but um, specifically this one in Final Destination 2 that I'm thinking of, this death, is for a very elaborate, complicated a series of events, it involves an explosion blowing up next to a fence, which causes it to fire... Across a field and slice a woman into pieces.
0: Rory.
1: It well, it's like a it's like a barbed wire fence, isn't it? Yes.
2: Well, I guess I in I guess in that it would be like razor wire to explain why it can cut through bone so easily. Um, Yeah. And I just just I like those ridiculous. Scenes and it's always fun in a horror where someone gets sliced into pieces. Like the Resident <laughs> Evil film, um, yeah, isn't yeah, particularly yeah, yeah. good, but that everyone remembers that one laser corridor sequence where someone yeah. gets turned into cubes. And yeah. this is the final destination version of that, and I find that really enjoyable.
1: I, I watched this death on the build up to this, it's actually a guy that gets killed. Oh, damn it! I
2: thought it was a woman in my head. i just <laughs> always imagining women getting murdered in my head. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: Can I keep that in? Or, is, I mean, it's a group... It's a very dark it joke. It's a, it's a horror movie <laughs> podcast. It's a horror movie podcast. We can keep the dark jokes in, I would have thought. Um, I, I will
2: say, I haven't seen Final Destination 2 um, since this kind of teenage years of watching it. Uh, so the right. death might be infinitely shit, but I, I like that it is kind of a memory stuck in my head that, yeah, has kind of frozen in place. And I can picture the shots of it, which might not be true. And in my head, it looks really impressive. And the CGI looks really good. It, it actually does look kind of good, actually, to be honest. Like when I, I
1: rewatched it before we, the, earlier this evening. What's, what's great about it, actually, is the guy, before he dies, he's, he says to, to someone, oh, do you think it's going to hurt when we die? And she's like, I, I don't know. And he's like, you know what? You're going to die after me. I know about I, I know because you should have died in the accident you, you're gonna die after me so look and he gives her his keys and his wallet and he says look when I go just can you just go over to my house and just like clean up and get rid of all the the drugs and the porn and stuff like anything that would like upset my mum pretty, pretty much before, that's really
0: smart and if I die um would you throw down my drugs and my paraphernalia my porno anything that's gonna
1: break my mom's heart (laughs) like at least someone's kind of like in these films isn't just like arguing or screaming or being petulant or 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 trying to reason with it or trying to work it like someone's just accepted it and gone you know what i'm screwed you know what's the best thing that can come out of this you know at least my mom won't find my bong and i thought that's that's pretty good what a Um, a
2: beautiful little moment uh like i said I'm, i'm mildly scared to watch it again uh just in case it is so bad but it, it has a very special place in my heart, that terrible, terrible film. See, this is what I mean. No one's going to believe I've watched any of these films. I can't remember the word "deadite." I forgot that it was a guy. I thought it was a woman <laughs> in my head. Like, no one's going to believe me. I guess it's what Saw did better, where it took the kind of concepts of these elaborate death sequences through a, a series of, like, contraptions or whatever. Because Saw, Saw kind of does the same thing in, in a weird way, but, but um, because you never see the antagonist in the room, Uh, or anything like that it's always people end up killing themselves essentially by failing the puzzle or failing the task or whatever
1: i mean it's interesting kind of
2: a gruesome
1: point almost but deaths in a certain horror movie series have an almost aesthetic so people will say like oh it's like a final destination death or well that's a bit like sawy if there was like a if there was like a trap that looked a bit a bunch of stuff bolted or like uh blowtorched together to create like a crude trap that all splatter you usually like a bear trap because that's the most memorable sore bit Yeah, um, that's like and like an iron and the, the ironic judgment of it you know that's quite sorry but then the Rube Goldberg thing that's like kind of final destination uh, it, it, it's amazing that people almost get like kind of desensitized to them where they can just look at certain things and be like oh that's like a final Destinationy death
2: yeah it's because it's such a unique part of the genre where you are watching yeah. you are watching it a horror film often for the deaths um, yes. Not not because you're like you. I mean, some people do watch them because they just want to see gore and disgusting and and be like oh mm. and, it, and and but but a lot of the kind of the big scary moments, the reveals, the 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 villains' appearances are all around the death. So you kind of are watching it with that in mind. Yeah, it's weird. Horror is a strange genre.
1: It is. That's why I'm making a podcast about it. <laughs> not
2: good. <All> <laughs>
0: I will not let this plane crash be the most important thing in my life! We're moving on, Carter. And if you want to waste your life beating the shit out of Alex every time you see him, then you can just drop fucking dead.
1: Okay, so, Chris. If you were a slasher villain, who would you go after and how would you dispatch your victims? My favourite question. Okay, so I'd just like possibly. to point out
2: that my answer here is a joke and what I'm saying is a parody and anything I say here is not my actual aims in life or anything I will do. Uh, it may... I'm going to stop that anyway because it's really dark. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I love a slasher villain where you can kind of see what they're doing. Like, they've got like an internal logic. To 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 right. what they're doing, like, I think that's fun sometimes, and so I think I'd want to be like that. Which is, I would exclusively kill landlords, <laughs> and I would just 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 you know like cut their heads off, stick it on the uh, on on the front gates of their properties as a message uh, to the rest of them. But obviously, this is cheating because you said horror, and uh, I went for like a science fiction thing because obviously, if I went around killing landlords, we'd have flying cars in about a week. So, uh, but yeah, that would be my, uh, that would be my, uh, Michael Myers. That's it.
1: That's simple. So, I mean, envisioning in this as, as a slasher villain is that you're, you're killing like the worst landlords. Like they'd always, they'd always be shown to be like comically bad, putting like 10 people into a free bedroom flat or something and charging them all. Oh no, it would like, just be, six
2: grand it'd be life. one of those things. Like if you're the kind of landlord that says like no pets, it, uh, then you would be thrown into a pit full of hungry cats and mm. dogs and they would just... That's brilliant. Oh, I love that. Or if you're the kind of landlord that said, you can't hang pictures on the wall, you can't put uh-huh. pictures of your own family up on the wall because it will devalue my property, then obviously you should be gutted.
1: What, what, what? Couldn't you have an ironic death for that? Couldn't they be then nailed to the wall? You don't have to be like gut... gut
2: no, nah, it will devalue go the property. Fun, like, like,
1: I thought you were going to do a fun thing where it's like... A, yeah i thought you were gonna do another fun one where there's like a leak that never gets fixed so you like drown them in a giant sink or
2: something uh or d- drown them in that will be saved for the kind of person that does the kind of like oh not all landlords are horrible like my nan is a starving pensioner, and she relies on that like people like that they can be drowned in the sink I was literally or, about to make that argument. Or I could be the vegan cereal killer, right? And I could like the vegan. No, I'm not going to go killer, down that okay. People already hate me.
1: Pissed ah, <laughs> up. It's, it's funny, actually. The whole relationship we have with landlords is, I feel like, is really violently changing because so many more people are renting for longer. Uh, so some of our generation is he, going to have to rent forever. And I mean, I was being this whole I, tide changing. I, I think where it was a tolerable shittiness. Is now becoming a kind of, almost like a movement.
2: People renting forever isn't necessarily a problem. Uh, if renters' protections were there, if you could have pets without having to like, oh, please, please, can I have a pet just mm. so I can feel like a human? Like, if you don't have to do that, and, you know, you can't just be no fault evicted, you can't have, like, huge rent increases or unrealistic, like, no one, no one would care, really. But mm. but it's, it's kind of a symptom of a problem. I do think it's interesting that we're in the middle of an energy crisis. Yeah. And you know people's bills are spiraling and we're like what what you know like what are we going to do like people's energy bill is, is going up crazy and it's like sure but like people are spending like 40% 50% of their income on rent like the energy is a problem but it's only a problem because nearly yeah. all of their money is going on rent i know that's not a really horror film answer though i was just being uh, i was just being an obnoxious uh, knob
1: <laughs> no this is great i like i think yours is probably going to be one of the most popular Serial killer. Oh, I ideas. don't want to be. No, I want to be the hipster. Not serial killer. Sorry, most popular slasher villain ideas. I mean, both.
2: They're kind of a, a similar thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, they are. I wanted to make it sound more fun. Um, yeah, nothing's but, more fun yeah. than
2: serial killing. I understand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. So, at this point, I've been asking people, "What have we learned?" And over this podcast, and what's different from from this from the other conversations I've been having is that you have talked about stuff from a filmmaking perspective which has been quite interesting. Uh, yeah, I know, it's, it sounds like wanky. It or does like sound I'm a bit wanky, yeah. No, 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 yeah. as in wanky of oh, me. Like, I'm not trying
2: to be obnoxious. It's just no, I, no, I work no. as an editor, so I do think it's, about it's, that it's a lot. The, it's just
1: a thing. Yeah, I mean, it's but, but that's true, right? I mean, it's a perspective you can't avoid. You know, the point of doing something a bit like this is that I'm getting to know people through their tastes, right? And it seems that, you know, this is a big part of your life, you know, what you what you do for a living and you know your creative side and your ambitions that's a part of you right so it kind of makes sense that you know the conversation we've been having you've you've ended up making references to quite a like a a broad range of films but there's always there's always been an angle on on like what's going on behind the camera and i think that's quite interesting do you think you watch films in a well that is going to be a wanky question i was about to ask you if if um you watch films in a different way but that's a, that's, ter- that's terrible that no, makes no, it sound no. like um, like you, you go up under some kind of pedestal because you you, no, you, know, you work uh, in the industry I'm a big believe- I mean, but like
2: it's you know- i'm a big believer in the uh, like you know the death of the author the the idea that you know I, i'm the one that 100%. i take the meaning and and it's because of all my experiences in life. like all of us all of our life experiences when we watch a piece of art we take from it there is this kind of author's intent and then there's what we take from it as well that's why people can you know, make something that is coming from a really good place. I'm thinking of that terrible Sia film about autism uh, where it was clearly oh. coming from a good place but everyone watched that and was just like, oh, oh, this isn't it. Like, oh, oh. And it's true because it's like there's a difference between kind of intent and what people take from it. And the fact that I spend all day in front of a computer, I'm, I literally have Avid open right now from, from the last show I was working on because I had to do some paperwork. And... That that the fact that I spend all day in front of a, an edit suite, thinking of edits, thinking of structure, thinking of you know shots and things like that, probably doesn't yeah. for my my viewing stuff. I do quite often when I'm watching something, like do that kind of like that was cool a little bit uh, there. I just saw what they did, or I spot a VFX shot that's like a hidden VFX shot. Ah, uh, right, okay. If that makes sense, like I can see. No, I know what you mean. Like screen replacements and stuff like that. I I uh, I know. Pretty quickly when I watch something, I'm, I'm like, there was nothing on that TV. They added it in post. Um, which just doesn't really matter to enjoying something, but it definitely informs what I do. Maybe it gives me more of an appreciation when something's really, like the craft is really strong or an aspect yeah. of it is really good. But again, all of this sounds really wanky. I'm also really I know. Dumb, it's like, And I I'm enjoy always, dumb films, uh, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, I, and I, I'm always like a little bit cautious about that because we might all get a thrill out of a bit of a thrill out of being knowledgeable but no one wants to be that guy no one wants to be that guy that's like i'm the film guy so i know all about this please all kneel at my gospel like nobody nobody wants to be that guy no um, but i i think i'm the other one but you're is... right i mean we can't help you know the things that inform our opinion these these are that's exactly like i say what this podcast is partly about it's you know what you who is someone, and how how do you get to know someone through their love of horror films?
2: Uh, yeah, no, I mean it'd be a, it's a good thing to use on uh, Bumble, I imagine, if you're trying to meet people, is to just stick out like, <laughs> what's your favourite horror movie? What's your guiltiest pleasure in horror? You, who's your favourite monster? Like these are good good yeah. questions. So now I wonder if <laughs> that's what's happening right now, and I'd like to point out I'm taken, but I am flattered.
0: <laughs>
2: well, uh, Chris, thank you very thank much you for having me. This was really fun.
0: Oh, I do hope you survived your encounter with Who's Your Favourite Monster, a Films Are Better Than People production. Make sure you subscribe to us on whatever platform you're listening on. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Films Are Better, and like us on Facebook.com forward slash Films are better. We hope to be seeing you again very, very soon.